0: Hello, and welcome to this message from Calvary Church. We're excited to hear from our guest speaker, Poncho Juarez. Poncho founded the Arc Montebello, a thriving church in Southern California, where he serves as senior pastor. If this message is meaningful to you, let us know. Email us at calvaryabq.org. And if you'd like to financially support the ministry of Calvary Church, you can give online securely at calvaryabq.org slash give. Now we invite you to open your Bible to Acts chapter 10 as Pancho begins the teaching, A Moralist in Need of a Savior.
1: Good morning. Could we all stand up? A word from our sponsor. Let's just, would you stand? Uh, last night I was a little bit savage. I was a little uncivilized. I didn't even pray. I didn't even thank Pastor Skip, the staff. I was just excited being in, in Birke, Albuquerque, forgive me. I was so excited being here in Albuquerque, and I apologize. Uh, I just get excited every time I get to explain and proclaim the gospel wherever I go. Rikers Island, and Mexico, South America, uh, China, and even Albuquerque. It's always exciting to proclaim and explain the gospel. Amen. Before we start, though, this is what I asked this first service. How many here... Have a little bit of, of emotional heart trouble right now. How many of you? Would you raise your hand? Okay. I'm raising my hand with you because there's issues. Yes. I'm a believer. I love God. Uh, my name is written in heaven, but I have problems. I'm a human being. I'm a father of five children. You read me? <laughs> Adult children. And I'm a grandfather. And uh, married to the same woman now for, well, legally, 43, going on 44. But we've been together 45 years together. And so, yes, so I... You know, I come to you with with a heart issue. I am praying specifically for certain things in my life, and those are the things that I cannot do. It's not about money. It's not who you know. It's not what you know. It's it's only that God has to intervene. You, You understand what I'm saying? And and so, this is why it's so specific. When I was asked to come here, they said, do you have a subject? And at that time, I was reading the book of Acts chapter 10, and I said, do I have a subject? Yes. And so, but we want to pray intentionally, not, God, not only for God to bless our time, but that God may bless all of you that raise your hands. Because God knows what you're going through. It's not easy going through an invisible pain. You see, inside the pain of the heart, it's it's, it's very debilitating, and it's very anguishing at times, very stressful. And, And so, I'm asking God to bless you, that your private world, what is your private world? Your private world is those things you don't let anybody know, not even your spouse. There's things inside of you that you cannot express, but God understands. And so, we want to pray and ask the Lord to bless you and bless us. And that He may speak to all of us today. I'm not going to allow the clock to beat me. It, bet, it beat me twice. Last night and first service It's not going to beat me today. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for this morning. Thank You for Your love, Your goodness, Your grace, Your mercy, Your joy, Your peace, Your benevolence, Your kindness. We come to you, Holy Father, asking you may have mercy upon our souls, that you may have mercy upon our relationship. May you bless and protect our children and their children, wherever they may be. And for those lucky enough to have mom and dads and have grandma and grandpas, Lord, bless them. Go before them. Anybody in the hospital, Father, we pray for them. Anybody here, Father, who is going through an ailment, any, guy, any kind of legal matters, any kind of madness with their own children... Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you to touch them and make them whole. We pray, Father, for for marriages. And we pray that you bind them together in harmony and in love. And Father, we pray for our police officers. May you protect them, their families, their wives. But we also protect, Father, we pray for the knuckleheads also. (laughs) For they have a heart, they have issues. And bless them May you, Father, enlighten them. May you, Father, change Albuquerque. Because there are problems in Albuquerque, Lord. And the problems of the heart and of the sin. So be with us, Father, as we invoke the powerful name of Jesus. In whose name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may have a seat. Thank you so much. Amen. Amen. Thank you so kindly. If you have your Bible, turn to Acts chapter 10. We're going to read it right in a minute. There's 48 verses. And so, uh, I I don't want to miss anything. But let let me tell you my title of my message. It's called, A Moralist in Need of a Savior. A Moralist. Now, I understand what a moralist is. Because before I came to Jesus, I was a moralist. Meaning, uh, I was born into a religion biologically, culturally, socially, historically, uh, maternally, uh, scholastically. I, I was baptized when I was a little boy, I don't remember anything about that. But I know we had a party and there was a fight, there was a lot of drinking when I was baptized. There has to be a party and a fight after baptism. And I did my first communion, and I did my confirmation, everything that I was told to do according to uh, the religion of my my family and my, up, my upbringing. But then as I became an adult, I realized those, those rituals and those ceremonies were not effective. But I still believed in Him. I believe in God. I trusted God. I believe in God. But I never had a relationship with Him. And so, but I was a good man. When people would say to me, "You know, you're a drunker. You need Jesus." Hey, listen, I don't, I'm a good man. I go to work. I get high, and but I pay my bills. I'm a good man. I serve my country. I went to Vietnam, joined the Marine Corps, and I got out. And I can't get a job because I'm a Vietnam veteran. I, I can't get a job. No one trusts a Vietnam veteran. We didn't even get a parade. And so I couldn't get a job, and and so the frustrations of life, the disappointments in life, induced me to start drinking. I'm not a drunker. I just drank because it pacified me. But I'm still a moral-minded man. I still love God. I still pray when things didn't go well. I still pray when I would go to a funeral. I still pray on Easter and Christmas. That's the only time I would go to church. And so I was a good moral man. And so, we find here the narrative of an Italian moral man by the name of Cornelius. He's a moral-minded man. The Bible says that he is a devout man. One who fears God with his entire household. He gave alms to the poor. He prayed to God always and even fasted. He's a just man. And he has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. What else do you want? He's a good man. And yet... Cornelius, something was missing. You see, a moralist, someone said this, a moralist is a non-religious person who behaves in a morally commendable way. A moralist is a person who teaches or forces other people to behave in ways that he or she considers being the most correct and honest way to live. You heard people, when you tell them, you need Jesus, they'll tell you things like, I'm a good person, I don't get high, I don't steal, I have this motto, live and let live, I pay taxes, I'm a good husband, I'm a good grandfather, I'm a great mother, I'm a good citizen, you know, I sell candy for the soccer league, and I volunteer my time, and I am a good person, and the Bible says, that being a good person, and all those good deeds does not make you a Christian, something's missing. And that's Cornelius. Now, what we're about to see is the narrative of two men. They don't know each other. Cornelius, he's a Roman soldier to the bone. He is a Roman centurion. Roman centurions were not allowed to get married. Because they deployed so many places that the Roman government did not want the centurions to be attached emotionally to someone. But they're men, they always had a little hook up on the side. They're men but mostly their friends and family were the servants. So we find Cornelius, an enemy of the Jewish people. And then he has a vision. A vision that an angel comes up to him, he says, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer. I want you to go and go call this guy named Simon, whose nickname is Peter. He's down south because Cornelius is in Caesarea, the headquarters of the 10th legion, Roman army. And 32 miles south is the port of Joppa. And he says, go get this man. They don't know each other. And so over here, we have Peter. Peter, St. Peter. He's here. He doesn't even know who Cornelius is. But God is about to work behind the scenes to touch these two men's lives. And that's how prayer works. When you pray in the name of Jesus... Don't ever think, beloved, don't ever think that when you pray that your words fall to the ground. The prophets say that when we pray, and especially in Jesus' name, when we pray, the Bible says that our prayers are like incense. I've never seen incense go down. I always see incense going up. And the Bible says that our prayers are like incense before the presence of God. Even when we say, oh God, God hears you. God hears you. And here we have a massive evidence that God answers prayer. The angel says to to Cornelius, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers. And he's acknowledged that you give to the poor. I want you to do something. I want you to go and summon Peter. He's out there in Joppa. Go summon him. And he will tell you what you must do imperative. So something's missing. Now, if I was Cornelius, I'm just saying, if I was Cornelius, if you're an angel from God, why don't you tell me? Why do I have to wait for a human agent to tell me? If you say you're from heaven, you tell me what I must hear. You see, the Bible says that the gospel has been given to humanity. We are the channels to reach other humans with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have been sent to go and reach our community. And so what God is going to do, not only is He going to complete Cornelius' full salvation, but He also has to teach a lesson to this Jewish boy. You see, this Jewish boy has been brought up in a very cloistered life. Religious, certain foods. They dress different. They pray differently. They have a different lifestyle. So there was this massive wall between the Jew and the Gentile. Linguistically, historically, culturally, I mean, the Samaritans and the Jews will not even speak to one another. And the main wall was the way they would eat. The Jewish people have certain foods, they call them kosher foods. And there were certain things that were not eat. Now, over here, the Gentiles, they will eat things like chorizo and menudo and chile verde. Everything is pork. Man, it's like they're missing out over there. You know they're missing out. But... So, even though Peter was, was Peter, he was a man, he was a god, he was, he was a, uh, the leader of the Christian church at the time. You still, there was, there was still, there was, there was uh, sentiment of, of resentment against other cultures. He was a spiritual, not spiritual, a cultural, social bigot. He still cannot. Now, you remember, the great commission to go into the world, share the gospel. And the Bible says that when Jesus ascended into heaven, Acts chapter 1 verse 8, He says, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you should become witnesses. And you should share the gospel, testify, beginning in Jerusalem. And then where else? Judea. And then where else? Samaria. I... We don't want to go to Samaria, eh? They're weird people. They're chorizo-eating people. They're, they're weird But yet that's what God said, not only to Samaria, but to the uttermost part of the world, including East L.A. and all the way to Albuquerque. (laughs) That's not what the Bible says, but that's what my Bible says. (laughs) And so, what do we do? So things happen according to Acts chapter 8. And Philip, the evangelist, took up because there was persecution in the church. So he took up with his four beautiful daughters and he went to Samaria. And the Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 8 that there was great joy in that darkened city of Samaria. But now the gospel is supposed to go out even to the Gentiles. So unnotable here that Cornelius becomes the first European convert. To Christianity. The first one. And God is going to orchestrate. So as, as, as you see this narrative. It's full of supernatural intervention by God. You'll see it. And so salvation. Complete salvation. To this moral man. Who is moral minded. But he still has not God in his heart. Not full salvation. And Peter. He has to learn how to engage with the Gentile world. The food no longer is the same. So this is what happens. I'm not going to let the the clock be be. turned with me to verse 1 of chapter 10. I'll expound as we go through it. There was a certain man in Caesarea called Cornelius. Verse 1. A centurion of what was called the Italian regiment. So this guy was not a local. This guy was not a conscript, because the Romans will conscript, uh, they will draft people from the lands, and they they will train him to be Roman soldiers, but they're not necessarily Romans, they were from whatever region. But this guy, he's an Italian stallion, he is European to the bone. He belonged to a special unit, and so we are told that he was from the Italian regiment. Now notice his qualifications. He's a devout man, which means spiritually pious, and one who fear God. That means that that usually the fear of of the Lord is an inducement to obedience and service to God. And he did it with all his household. So he was a leader in his own household. And notice, he gave alms generously to the people. When you give alms, that means you give to the unfortunate. Which means that he was benevolent. He was kind. He was sweet. He was considerate with his money. And also notice, and he prayed to God. How long? Always. And then about the ninth hour, that's 3 p.m., the Jewish hour, they would pray at the third hour being nine o'clock, at the sixth hour being 12 o'clock, and the ninth hour being three o'clock. So those are the times of prayer. So you can see that this European who comes from Italy, The Roman they had so many gods, called polytheism. Poly means many, theism means God. They had a God of the sun, the God of mercury, the God of the moon, the God of the stars, the God of the cockroaches, the God of wine, the God of the fruit. They had gods all over the place. But Cornelius comes to this land of the Jews, and he falls in love with monotheism. Mono means one, and he falls in love with the God of Israel. And he's a very pious man. He prays always. And then later on, you'll see that he even says he was fasting. Verse 30, that he was fasting. So he's a good man. Now notice, he says, About the ninth hour of the day, he saw clearly in a vision, an angel of God coming in and saying to him, Cornelius. And when he observed them, he freaked out to the bone. That's not what it says, but that's what I say. I mean, like, when it says he was afraid, I mean, you see an angel, you go, oh. That's not, oh. I mean, think about it. What are you praying for? What are you praying for? Let's say you're praying for something specific. Just jot it down. Just, just jot you know, write, not, not write it right now. Not right now, but later on, just jot it down. I'm writing for my mom. I'm writing for my, you know, my son, my daughter. I'm writing for my boss. He's, he's a jerk. And I pray that whatever you have, just write it down. How would you feel that you go back to your home tonight and it's 10.30 at night and then you're there ready to go to bed and all of a sudden here comes an angel, appears to you. Robert, fictitious name. Or Bobby. Your prayer has been answered. You're not going to say, oh wow, trip. You're not going to do that. You are going to freak out, first of all, seeing an angelic celestial personality. And then the news that he has, that your prayer has been heard, you blow your mind. That's what I'm saying here. He blew his mind. He was very much afraid. And notice what he said. And when he observed it, he was afraid and said, what is it, Lord? So he said to him, your prayers and your alms have come up for memorial before God. Prayer answered. Now send men to Joppa, and send for Simon, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging with another guy named Simon, he's a tanner by trade, whose house is by the sea. And notice the imperative here, he will tell you what you must do. And when the angel who spoke to him had departed, Cornelius called two of his household servants and a devout Roman soldier from among those who waited on him continually. So that's three guys. So when he had explained all these things to them, he sent them to Joppa. Notice they didn't ask. You know, they're just obedient. I had a vision. Okay. And an angel came up to me. Okay. And he told me, go get a guy. He's in Joppa, 32 miles, and his name is Simon. And you never met him? No, I never met him. Okay. Okay. They were just obedient. They're servants. So now we switch scenes. Now we go to Peter. The next day, as they went on their journey and drew near the city, Peter went up on the housetop to pray about the sixth hour, that's 12 p.m. Then he became very hungry and wanted to eat. But while they made ready for the food, he fell into a trance. That in in the Greek is called ecstasis, where we get our English word ecstasy. Now, there's nothing unusual. Basically, homeboy just zoned out. You ever seen people zoned out? It happens. I mean, I I was with a a medical doctor, and and he was talking to me about my health, and all of a sudden, and he looks out the window, and and my doctor just spaced out. I mean, I didn't know what to say. I was like saying, hello. But he was pensive thinking, and he comes back out, oh, sorry, 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 I told him, Oh, that must have been good, doctor, either that or your heart in trouble, and it was in trouble, and so, so Peter has an ecstasy experience, where he has a vision, and notice the vision, so it becomes supernatural now, in verse 11, and he saw heaven open, and the object like a great sheath bound at the four corners, descending to Him and let down to the earth. And in this sheet, there were all kinds of four-footed animals of the earth, wild bees, creeping things, menudo, and the birds of the air. I put that in there, because either you hate or love menudo. What is that? Now, he's kosher. He's a Jewish boy. From birth, they stand away from certain foods that God made prohibition again. They would not eat certain foods. They were very strict, adhering to the most minutia of strictness against these foods. But he's hungry. And when he sees this sheep, he sees all these animals. like Ugh. But notice the command from Jesus, verse 13. And a voice came to him. Rise, Peter, kill and chow down. But Peter said, Oh, no, no, not so, Lord. For I have never eaten anything uncommon or unclean. And a voice spoke to him again the second time. This is Jesus. What God has cleansed, you must not call common. This was done three times. And the object was taken up into heaven again. Now, 17. Now, while Peter was tripping, or Perplexing is the English word. We don't use the word in my neighborhood. Wow, I'm (laughs) perplexed. We say things like, man, we're tripping, man. I'm wigging out, man. And we understand what wigging out means. Dude, I can't handle it, man. I'm going through some changes. That's what Peter says here. He was wondering within himself what this vision which he had seen meant. And behold, the man who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquire for Simon's house and stood before the gate. And they called and asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. Now notice the intervention of God through the Holy Spirit. Well, Peter thought about the vision, you see. He's still, what, what was that all about? What is that meaning? What is going on? What, I, what is that? Who's that? Oh, they, there's, a, there's a soldier, a Roman soldier, and two servants. They come from Caesarea, and they're asking for you. You know, my name is Pancho, but my real name is Francisco Alejandro. And when I people call me Alejandro, uh, I had to do this, or or I had to do this. That's my legal name. This is before Jesus, before Jesus Christ. You know, what is your name? Uh, Is your name Alejandro? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. That's my legal name. If if you think I'm playing around, no, I was arrested. I was arrested. Let me go back why I was arrested. You see, I was a nuisance. I was a drunker. I took every type of drug you can ever imagine, except except meth. Thank God, that's the devil's drug. But I tried everything, and in my stupor, in my in, in my alcoholic stupidity and imbecility, I would walk the streets drunk, and I always pray when I was drunk. But my prayer was one of rescue. I would cry out, I don't want to get drunk no more. And then I would go to the house of worship where I grew up. But they were always locked. There was nobody there. They were always locked. But I would stand in front of the church, drunk. And I would get on my knees and I said, I don't want to do this no more. I'm making my mom hurt. I'm making everybody miserable, including my mom, my girlfriend, who's about to leave me because of my madness. I didn't want to, I knew it was wrong. I'm a good man. I'm a moral-minded man. I want to go to work, but my only work was to go to work at a car wash. Here I'm a Vietnam veteran. I'm an American citizen, and the only thing I can get is washing cars. Something's wrong with our nation. But it happened to a lot of Vietnam veterans. So, I would pray, and I would just say, help me, I don't want to do this. Now, when I came to Jesus, I read Romans chapter 7, where Paul speaks of the dilemma of humanity. Paul the Apostle says, Man, I know what to do right, but I don't know how to do what is right. I know what is wrong. I don't want to do wrong, but I practice wrong all the time. So he says, The problem is not me, he says. "I I know what to do, but I don't know how to do it. And the things that I should do, that I do not practice. He says, Oh, wretched man that I am, who can deliver me from this death? And he says, The Lord Jesus Christ. See, I had no clue. I had no clue of that. But that's exactly what I was saying. I can't help myself. I cannot do this on my own so I was, I was invited by my ex-girlfriend, my wife she told me there's a concert and so I went to a concert, free concert it was, it was a Christian concert I got ripped off and this is my testimony. I, I sat in the third row because she likes to go to the front. She's a theater arts. Uh, uh, she likes theater arts, so she always wants to get a front seat. So she went to the front seat. And third, here I am. Oh, I, I'm on mescaline. If you don't know what mescaline is, don't worry about it. God bless you. May the Lord keep you safe and sound. But I was under mescaline. I was sitting on the third row, and I didn't understand what the pastor was saying. He was talking about Daniel and lions. I go, dude, this this guy's more tripped out than I am. <laughs> I know the book of Daniel now. I mean, I know it back and forth. But back then, I'm a heathen. I don't, I've don't. i never read the Bible. And he's talking about the book of Daniel. But he said something about your, your, your conscience being oozing with pain and anguish. And I said, that's the problem because I'm trying to stop the oozing from shame and pain. And I, the only way I can squelch it, the only way I can numb it, and I can only stop the pain is by alcohol and drugs. And it made me it for a while. But I hated it. There's a lot of people here in Albuquerque. They hate what they're doing. They just don't know Jesus. They don't know it's a problem of the heart. It's not economics. It's not social economics. It's not lack of education. It's not because they have a diet of chorizo. It's not that. It's a heart issue. This Italian man had a heart problem. And so he summons Peter. And so Peter's there saying, whoa, what do they want? Notice the intervention, verse 19. While Peter thought about the vision, the spirit said to him, behold. The word behold is pay attention. Three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go downstairs and go with them, doubting nothing. Why? For I, God, have sent them. Then Peter went down to the men who had seen him sent from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am whom you seek. For what reason have you come? And they said, Cornelius, the centurion. Notice more qualifications. He's a just man. One who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews. He was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear words from you. Then he invited them in and lodged them in. On the next day, Peter went away with them, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So there were three, and Peter left with six. Chapter 11, verse 2 tells us that. So Peter took six, there's three, there's nine, and with Peter, that makes ten. Verse 24. And the following day, they went to Caesarea. Again, the headquarters of the 10th Roman legion. The headquarters of the Roman presence there in Judea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them. And had called together who? His what? His relatives and what? Do you have relatives? Yes or no? Do you have good friends? Are they all walking with Jesus? Yes or no? No. You go like that. (laughs) No. They're good people, aren't they? They're good people. Even if they're not good people, they're your family, it doesn't matter. You have to love them, they're your people. But, he brought them in. Verse 25, As Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him and fell down at his feet and began to worship him. I understand that. In my community, to this day, to this day, there are religious men who walk in our community and people bow down to them. And I feel like yelling. Read chapter ten of the book of Acts. We don't have to bow down and kiss nobody. Only the Lord is worthy of our kneeling down. As you see here, Amen. I'm, I'm not being radical. This is Peter. Not only what Peter says, verse twenty six, but Peter lifted him up, saying, "Stand up, man. I'm only a man like you." And as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. Then Peter said to them, you know that how unlawful it is for us Jewish boys to keep company with or to go to one of another nation. But here he connected the dots of the vision. But God has shown me that I should not call any man common or unclean. Therefore, I came without objection. As soon as I was sent for, I asked then, for what reason have you sent for me? So Cornelius said, well, four days ago, I was fasting until this hour. And at the ninth hour, I prayed in my, in my house. And behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard. And your alms have remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa and call Simon uh, here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon the tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now therefore, we are all present before God to hear all the things commanded by you by God. Then Peter connected the dots further. Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Aha, in truth I perceive that God... He says, I perceive that God shows no partiality. Verse 35. But in every nation, every city, including Albuquerque, whoever fears him and works righteousness is accepted by God. The word which God sent to the children of Israel, preaching peace through Jesus Christ, he is lordable. So he begins to preach the gospel. The word you know which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and begin from Galilee, after the baptism with John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Who went about doing good and, being, and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which we did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem. Whom they killed by hanging on the tree. That's Good Friday. We commemorate that last week. Now watch Sunday morning Easter. Verse 40. Him, God raised him up on the third day and showed him openly, not to all people, but to witnesses chosen before by God, even to us, Peter says, who ate and drank with him after he arose from the dead. And then he commanded us, Luke 24, Acts chapter 1. And then He commanded us to proclaim and explain, preach to the people and to testify that it is He who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. To Him, here's the key, all of you, here's the key. To Him, all the prophets of the Old Testament witness that through His name, whoever believes in Him will receive remission of sins. What a wonderful word, remission, especially if you're a cancer victim. My wife had brain cancer for seven years. She's okay, she's here, she's here. She's out there nosing around, getting copy to steal ideas from Albuquerque. She's running around, she's okay. But for seven years, she had brain cancer, and twice they told us she's going to die. So the first time, oh, she said, I want to go to Hawaii. So the whole family, we have five children, and we took her to Hawaii. It's a last hurrah. We all got Hawaiian clothing. We went to the water. And, you know, it's a very morbid, happy day because she's going to die. Well, she didn't die. And so she was still going through chemo. Uh, they will inject her right in the cranium, uh, dopacet. That's the medication. And they will get her. Cr- I mean, it's bad. Seven years of that. And then they told us again, I'm sorry, she's not going to make it. And so my wife says, you know, I want to go, I I, want to go to Austria. I want to go to the Alps. (laughs) So I told her, no, you got to call Make a Wish Foundation for that. (laughs) Uh, We can't afford it. But that was her prayer to go before she died. So I get a call. Could you speak at a missions conference in Austria? Yeah, we'll pay for you. So all I had to do is pay for her flight. She'll sleep with me. She's my wife. So so we took her. And a friend of ours from Finland, he says, let me take you up to the Alps. So we went up the Alps. We went all the way, all the way, uh, uh, until we got to the border of Austria and Switzerland. And I said, go ahead, do your Julie Andrews. Go for it. Because that's what she wanted to do. She loved the sound of music. And so, bald headed as she was, she started singing and twirling. <laughs> I said, Right on, get back in the car, it's too cold. Come on, let's get out of here. <laughs> and then I get a call. I'm in New York. Punch? Punch? My name is Punch, but when chips came in, I changed my name. <laughs> now that Eric Estrada is a husband, I get my name back, Punch. She says, I'm in remission remission. You know, remission is an English word. It means abatement. It means stop the madness. You see, the, that's when Jesus said, this is my blood for the forgiveness of the remission of your sins. It means it just stops the madness. And so when I spoke to the doctor, I said, doctor, you, what happened? Ah, your people have been praying. <laughs> this, he said, this is a miracle. I said, so, so you're going to write in here? It's a miracle in your chart? Oh, I can't do that. So tell me, Dr. Chamberlain, what are you going to write? And he wrote, instantaneous resolution unknown. Huh? Instantaneous resolution unknown. Ladies and gentlemen, we call that a miracle. A miracle. A miracle. Let me finish. So, I don't know where we're at. Where? Okay. 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 Okay, verse 44, got it. Now notice how Peter was interrupted. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell upon all those who heard the word. And those of the circumcision, that's a reference to the Jewish boys who believed, they were also tripping out. As many as came with Peter, they were tripping because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the non-Jewish people, the Gentiles. For they heard him speak with tongues and magnified God. Now speaking with tongues, the word here is glosa, Where we get the word glozalelia, where we get our English word glossary. Meaning, they were not speaking gibberish like in some people. That's gibberish. They were speaking in a known language. And they were all praising God. It was a supernatural phenomena. And they were just overwhelmed. And then Peter says here in verse 47, Can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized? Who have received the Holy Spirit, yes, as we have. And He commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they asked Him to stay a few days later. Ladies and gentlemen, there is no infant baptism in the Bible. Cornelius was not a child, he was a grown man. I was baptized at the age of 24, and this time I'm aware why I'm getting baptized. Baptism is an acknowledgement that God has done a work in you, and you testify to the whole world saying, basically, it is no longer I who live, but the life that I now live, I live by faith in Jesus Christ. Poncho died with Thunderbird, and all Johnny Walker, and even... (laughs) Forgive me. I'm bilingual. You know, Jose Cuervo and Johnny Walker, they were not good friends to me. When I came to Jesus, those guys went out of my life. And Christ can do the same. Listen. What is the moral of the story? That one can possess the pristine morality of Cornelius and yet not be a Christian nor experience the salvation of God. You may be here this morning, or up in the balcony, or watching over the internet. We all know, God knows, your mama knows, everybody knows, you're a good person. You're a good citizen. You're a good mother, you're a good father, you're a good businessman, you're a good professional. But that does not make you right with God, something is missing in your life. You need to have a clean heart, you need to have your sins forgiven. And once you encounter that forgiveness, here's what God gives you. Eternal life, hope, joy, peace, assurance. He will never leave you. He will never rank God on you. He will never desert you. He will guide you. He will lead you into all truth. He will make you fall in love again with your wife. All of a sudden, the next day after you're a Christian, for most people, they begin to say, honey, how long have you have been married with me? 20 years? You look fine. Now, ladies, you know that's the Holy Spirit. (laughs) But you haven't been called fine in 20 years. Something happens to us. It's called renewal. We are born again. Jesus said to Nicodemus, you cannot see the kingdom of God and you cannot enter the kingdom of God unless you are what? Born again. And let me be as frank as I can. Time does not permit us for the people upstairs or... Over here, to come forward is too much time. So I, instead of walking, if God is speaking to you, you have never received the Lord. Never. We're not talking about religion. We're talking about relationship. It takes 11 seconds. 11 seconds. We timed it Friday. Father, I'm a sinner. I repent of all my sins. I believe you're the son of the living God. You rose from the dead. And I accept you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Bada bim, bada boom. 11 seconds. That's how long it takes for your life to change dramatically for the good. What keeps us from not accepting Jesus? Two things. Ignorance. Well, you can eliminate ignorance because now you read, now I told you. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Anybody. So what is the last thing then? What is the impediment that keeps you? Pride. Cultural pride. Personal pride. I don't want to get up. I don't want to raise my hand. I don't want to look sissified. I don't want to. But see, you will do as the Holy Spirit speaks to you. Because the Word of God tells us it's powerful living like a two-edged sword able to penetrate bone and marrow. And it goes into the intents of the heart. I don't have to dress up the Scriptures. The Scriptures speak for themselves and the Holy Spirit speaks to you. And when you're ready to raise your hand, you're going to feel something inside of you. You're going to say, dude, that bald-headed guy is saying the truth. And you realize that you're in a hole right now. That you're empty. And today whether you're from the east side, west side, the wrong side, the other side, whether you're young, whether you're uh, young or not, (laughs) whether you switch sides, or whether you came here even, you got loaded last night and you came here, God loves you. And I'm asking you as I close, if you would like to receive the Lord, and you would like me to pray with you and for you, May I just ask you for you just to raise your hands and pray for me. I want to receive the Lord. Would you just do that, whoever you may be? Just raise your hand, whomever you may be. Just raise your hand. God bless you. 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 Way out there. God bless you. May I ask you one more favor, if I may, not to embarrass you? But to be counted, we, we rejoice when people accept the Lord. Right? If you raise your hand, would you just stand to your feet, real quick? Like, just stand. Let me pray. We just stand. Don't be ashamed. Just stand. 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 stand. Love you. Anybody else? Quickly. Anybody else? Anybody else? (laughs) Remain standing. Remain standing. We're going to pray for you. Anybody else? I'm beat. Ah, Ah, the clock beat me. Would you repeat the simple prayer after me? Dear Jesus, I am a sinner. And I repent of all my sin. I believe you're the son of the living God. And I ask you to come into my heart. Lord, change me. Give me a new heart, a new mind, a clean conscience. And put my name in the book of life. And fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.
0: Amen. We hope you enjoyed this special service from Calvary Church featuring our guest speaker, Pancho Juarez. We'd love to know how this message impacted you. Email us at Calvaryabq.org. And just a reminder, you can support this ministry with a financial gift at calvaryabq.org. give Thank you for joining us for this teaching from Calvary Church.